Good morning, everybody. We're just going to look at you all for a minute because that helps me as a real one-on-one kind of person who sits in an office with one other person. And so you're all just individual people. Okay, that's what I needed to do. Thanks for that. Um, Thank you guys very, very much for having me this morning. I was tempted to introduce myself during the um, the visitors section because I've only I've come for a couple different um, um, like training kinds of things, but um, it's really fun to join you guys on a Sunday morning. And so, yeah, I'm glad I'm here. Um, Okay, so my um, my portion of your sermon series on emotionally healthy spirituality is grief and loss. And so I made my slides black, but then when I looked at them this morning, I was like, that just looks so, um, it, it looked really intense and strong. And so I was like, I don't know. I'm a verbal processor, so that will happen during the, during the talk. Sometimes I just need to say things out loud so that they can leave me alone and I can refocus on what the Holy Spirit is saying. <laughs> um, but I really, really praise, um, I'm so grateful that your church cares about emotionally healthy spirituality because it's, I just really think that it is what has so deeply, um, the lack of emotionally healthy spirituality has harmed so, so, so many people, and probably every person in this room, honestly. Um, if you've been a believer for more than five minutes, you know, um, something has happened that has brought you pain. And so um, I tell the pastors and priests that I'm friends with that I feel like every congregation probably needs a message on suffering like once a month and making sense of their pain because it's so confusing to us and it's yeah it just it's so overwhelming and it really gets us spun around with how can I be loved and in pain at the same time like that is one of the hardest um, dichotomies to hold together in the Christian faith and there are so many people who say that just doesn't make any sense to me how can there be a loving God and I have so many troubles and trials and pains and losses and chaos and um awful things that happen, so um, I've just got to hold those apart. So therefore, God can't be good if I'm feeling all of this, all of this suffering. Um, but I tell people, those of us who are left who say, okay, okay, show me how to hold that together. Like, that's where the conversations get super interesting. And so that's my, that's kind of my intersection. So, um, so I hope today that I can help you guys make some sense of the suffering and the pain in your lives and um, um, and perhaps even have some tools. So, you know, I'm a shrink. I'm a therapist. So I like the tools, <laughs> but I also really like a deep stance, just a deep understanding of what to expect. And then the tools just kind of come, like they kind of become a common sense, like just human common sense and wisdom. Um, it's when we're still fighting with the pain that's happening in our lives that people want tools. But what they're usually asking me for is make this pain go away. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I've got, <laughs> I've got bad news, but I will definitely be your companion as you, as you walk through it, um, just as God is our companion in our pain. So... What's my next slide? Oh, I'm not ready for that one yet. Okay. Um, And I'm just going to try so hard not to go super long. (laughs) That's my main goal for you guys today. So 
um, just get up and leave for lunch. If I, if you get hungry, um, please just take care of your own needs. Take care of yourselves. I'm a fan of that. Um, well, I just wanted to very briefly share. So um, I just wanted to give a contrast of a couple of griefs in my life. Um, everybody loves when I, uh, when their therapist self-discloses. They're like, go on. I totally want to hear about your breakup and your... <laughs> And that awful fight you had and that embarrassing thing you did in public. You know, they just love that stuff. So um, um, these are sad stories, though. I'm so sorry. But um, so I lost my dad to cancer when I was a senior in high school. And um, that loss was earth-shattering to me. And I did not have the ability to deal with it. I did not understand why that had happened. I've always been a very, like, my faith in God has always felt very primal, like, since my childhood. And so I remember saying to God, I still love you, but I don't have anything to say to you right now. And I can just feel my kind God, like, it's okay, I'm right here anyways. Um, um, And that led me to, since I didn't have skills for dealing with it, I was kind of fine for about a year. But then it was the um, post-graduation phase where I'm trying to make college life work. That depression really sunk in. An eating disorder really, really sunk in. Um, I just had tremendous levels of anxiety. And I just truly felt like I was supposed to just kind of keep smiling and keep functioning and looking fine. I mean, this is also Alabama in the (laughs) mid-90s. And so... There were just these Southern culture things where I'm just supposed to be okay. And so um, I was just trying. I was trying really hard to just paddle and keep my head above water. Um, And I was really trying to pay attention to my grief. I knew enough to know that I needed to pay some attention to my grief. And so I would kind of like set up these little appointments with myself. (laughs) I would sit down outside and I'd say, okay, what's going on? And sometimes I would just bawl my eyes out, and sometimes nothing would happen, and I would just kind of go back on with, with my life. But I would say those particular um, mental illnesses, they stayed with me in a pretty strong, they had a very big grasp on me for about the next four or five years or so until I got my master's in counseling, which forced me to get a whole lot more of my own work done. So just be terrified, like, of the therapists <laughs> that um, that are offering to help you. We go because we've had so many of our own problems and losses and issues that um, we're really going to figure ourselves out. And so I just say good therapists are very honest about that, and you can get a lot of help um, from the really honest ones. So um Contrast that with the loss of my mom, which happened almost one year ago. We're um, almost at the one-year anniversary of her loss. And, um, and, I mean, of course, so I mean, I was 44, 40, yeah, 5, 45 when she passed. And um, I really, I was very supported. I've had the right antidepressants for 20 years <laughs> in my system. And... Um, And I was really able to grieve in a way that I'm going to talk about today that um, I just felt like 
this grief process makes sense to me, and the more I can help it make sense to more and more people, the more, um, the word ease is coming to my mind, and so I'm just going to trust God with that word, the more ease that you can have in your own grieving process, because we really, I would say, as um, Americans that live in the year 2023, we really think that we have so many options for avoiding and getting away from our pain. We do. We have lots and lots of options <laughs> for avoiding our grief and our pain. And um, But so the process I, I engaged in to grieve my mom this year, it felt so, so, so much. Um, it just felt so much more healing. Like I felt like I got to heal a bit faster from the way that I was engaging it. So, um, okay, that brings me to um, avoiding. Um, So we can avoid our grief. We can avoid our grief or we can face our grief. And avoiding it really can be a wonderful, wonderful human coping strategy. So just like Katie said, I think the parts of ourselves that even feel really unproductive because they're up to something that's trying to be helpful to us in some way. Um, I thank God that he made us with the ability to have avoidance strategies because if I hadn't been able to avoid my pain in high school and kind of segment it over here, I would not have graduated high school. And so I'm just very, very thankful that God allowed me to push it away. Oh, this story's coming up. I have to tell it. Okay. Um, A client of mine who I had for a very, very long time, and she had um, dissociative identity disorder, and that's where you basically, you really do have very strong different personality parts of you that have helped you cope with lots of horrible things that have happened, especially from a really young age. And I worked with her um, on and off for many years in when I did private practice before going to intensive work at Restoring the Soul. And, um, and I had to hand her off to, other, to a different professional when I went to go and work in intensive work. And so um, she got back in touch with me later and, um, and said that the person that she had gone to had said that her dissociating... Um, which is just a very strong form of, of denial and numbing. Um, um, she told her that that was disobedience from God, disobedience to God. And I just, and she, and I was like, I mean, I was getting really mad and um, just wanted to yell blasphemy. But she said, um, she said, well, my therapist taught me that it was a gift from God, like that I didn't have to suffer those things in their fullest form because. Um, God made my nervous system to do this amazing thing. And so um, I said, let's report her. And well, it turned out she wasn't licensed. So it <laughs> so, wasn't a licensed therapist. Kind of anybody can hang out a shingle. So anyways, just watch for that. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So when I say, what's your, um, what's your personal favorite um, avoidance mechanism there's no shade in that. Like, I'm not, I'm not hating on anything because we just do the things we do for reasons. And who is extremely clear on that? God is extremely clear on that. Who is not clear on that? The other people in our lives who are watching us and judging us. <laughs> um, and so sometimes we can only grasp at and do these particular things um, 
as our way of surviving. But once you have survived, there is an ability to start to see and have some self-awareness and catch yourself in the act of one of these things. And I'm a complete and total growth nerd. Um, And um, so I would say it's kind of a fun adventure (laughs) when you figure out which one of these things that you have been doing. Because then um, when you notice a pattern, it's easier to catch yourself in the act of it. And you can hold it out before God first or hold it out before somebody else that... Um, loves you, don't hold it out to somebody who doesn't love you and doesn't understand you because they will use it against you. And so I won't give blanket advice to be vulnerable. You be cautious in who you are vulnerable with. But when you are safe, that's when you do that hard work of like, I don't want to share it, but I'm going to make myself share it this time. So um, vulnerability work has to be done in in safety. If you're not safe, do not. Okay, so when you can notice one of these patterns, then you can take it to God, you can learn about it, and you can watch for it and catch yourself in the act of it. Do not beat yourself up. It's just, it's there to help you survive. Um, If you do not know what your patterns are, ask somebody who lives with you and they will tell you quickly. (laughs) They're the very best. They're the very best feedback loop I have found um, in my life and in everybody else's I've ever worked with. So um, so I think everybody um, generally knows what these different words mean, and, and if not, Google can tell you very quickly. But um, I want to talk about the spiritual bypass because um, that is something that I have just learned about in the last handful of years. And you know, it's when you find a word that fits something that you've known was true, but you didn't know what to call it, that's just the most awesome feeling. You just, it's like a weight comes off. You just kind of feel more settled and grounded. And so um, when I learned about spiritual bypass, um, I already said that part. Okay, so what spiritual bypass is, it is when you, you know how you are supposed to respond eventually, I'm supposed to forgive my enemy. But that's like step Z. And at step A, how about step zero? When you get harmed or hurt by someone or a situation, you're, you're very, very stunned. So that person, if you are um, a, a Christian and you're trying to follow the ways of Jesus, oftentimes we will tell ourselves or... Um, or we tell others, well, you're just you're going to have to forgive, and um, and so my clients will say, how can that be true? And I feel like I'm just literally burning alive with with rage and sorrow and fury. And um, how do I just get myself from here to way over there? Um, and and people will quote scriptures. Here are my scriptures that I I that can get quoted. I'd say out of um, I'd say out of context or out of turn. Um, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So I'm going to say First Thessalonians 5 there. 
is a horrible thing to say to someone who has just survived something awful or their heart is really, really hurting. And so that does not mean that this scripture is untrue. It just means it's the wrong time to apply it. And so we can do a lot of damage by telling people not to feel what they're feeling in the moment. Um, Thank you for those. I appreciate you. (laughs) And you have a beautiful singing voice. Dang. Oh, y'all do. That was really good. I got my, I have ADHD as well. I have a whole string of diagnoses that are are mine. (laughs) So that's one of them. Okay, where was I? The misapplication of good principles and the misapplication of good Bible verses. So as a good girl back in Alabama, uh, when I lost my dad, um, I did go quiet for a while, and I just think that was just kind of my, that was me not even able to be fake. I was just quiet. Um, But then in time, I learned that I was supposed to say things like, I know it happened for a reason. I know God will use it. I love God anyways. I worship God anyways. Um, And that was me kind of trying to embody that Z, the step Z in the plan of of just being at this acceptance and forgiving. You know, if doctors fumbled things, if I thought God was not on point when he allowed that to happen in my little life. Um, And that really disconnected me from just all of the... um, emotions that were coming up and wanting to come, wanting to just work through me. And I'd say even all the physical sensations that come along with grief. And so I love to help people. Um, psychology these days or the helping, the, the whatever, psychiatry, therapy, we are all about somatics. We're all about body. And, um, and it's because we've all gotten very disconnected from our bodies, and we have just been living a lot in our brains. And we love to memorize things, and we want to know the five steps for how to do something right. Um, but your body has a wisdom of its own that God put inside of it. And, um, and your nervous system is literally one of the, it's the most complex entity in the entire known universe. And so the fact that we have to shut it down and compartmentalize it, that makes sense because it can be extremely overwhelming. But it's also very, very full of God. God made it, and it's just this crazy body-sized kind of computer thing. There's just not even a good analogy for it because it's so incredible. So learning how to face and deal with what's coming up inside of you is just going to be a process that is messy and takes a while And you really do eventually, that's the only path I will say you can take to get to that place of forgiveness, acceptance, meaning making. Well, God's going to bring something good out of it, you know, because you can tell when you're saying that and you feel fake about it. (laughs) You can just tell, you feel it in your own self, but you're like, but I'm trying to be obedient, it's what I'm supposed to say. Um, So, did I finish that point? Did that make sense? Um, that the spiritual bypass is trying to just skip all that work. But we haven't been skipping that work because we're lazy. We've been skipping that work because nobody has taught us how to do that work. And we were all raised by people who have had their own traumas and their own um, just ways of surviving. And so 
so we're all having to learn how to do this now. I just say we're, have, we're learning how to be humans and live with these very earthy human bodies that we are all stuck in and have to inhabit. So, um, so yeah, I tell people to trust they will get to that place, but you really kind of have to let go for a while of what you, of judging what you're feeling and just pour it out to God. Um, when you can be so honest with God, I swear people will pay me a lot of money in therapy just for me to say, you got to tell Jesus that you're furious at him. <laughs> and they're like, no, what if he gets mad or it hurts his feelings or he goes away? And I'm like, Jesus is not an old church lady, y'all. Like he is not, he's not a tender. <laughs> a <laughs> um, which... Um, yeah, um, nor is Jesus an American businessman, I'm going to say, either. Um, when I told my friend that I was teaching y'all today, it, I've got ADD, and, um, um, and I said, I'm terrified of slides. I hate making slides, and it always doesn't work, and my mic doesn't work, and the pointer doesn't work, and it all falls apart on me, but everything's been perfect. You guys are amazing, yeah. It's this AV team. They're incredible. Okay, um, but... She, um, she said, I never use slides. I never use any technology at all when I go and teach. And she teaches way more than I do. And I said, isn't that, wow, I just thought that was lazy. Like I just heard, like that's lazy if you don't make slides. <laughs> like you don't really respect your audience if you don't make slides for those people. And, um, and she just said, God's not a businessman, not an American businessman. <laughs> and I was like, Wow. Forever, I will always be seeing all the ways that I still, you know, whatever. We can't get God till the veil, till the till the other side of the veil. Okay, let's go to um, the um, the thing that we get to do, or that um, I just say God. God teaches us these blueprints, and um, it's n- they're never like an easy five steps. You know, do it, and then you get to you've earned your badge, and you're like. I've grieved that, I'm all done. Um, it's, it's always a process with like so many layers to it because God will meet us and so, he'll meet us wherever we can meet him, but he's still there at all the other places um, below that, but we just kind of can't always access that. So, okay, so let's talk about bravely facing. So in the great book, um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, I have this Pete Spazero quote, turning toward our pain is counterintuitive, but in fact, the heart of Christianity is that the way to life is through death, the pathway to resurrection is through crucifixion. We have to pass through pain. I don't get it, it blows my mind, and I'm not righteous enough to pray for more pain (laughs) to become more Christ-like. I have read books by people who have prayed that. Well, you know, it's like St. John of the Cross from the 1400s or whatever. It's not, they they don't live here. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure that there's probably somebody holy here who has prayed that prayer. Um, But... um, but turning towards the pain is kind of the last thing that your flesh wants to do. So your, your flesh, and let me just clarify what I mean by that term, it's a lot more like ego rather than your precious, precious skin and body that are holding you 
that are holding your soul as you walk around this earth. Um, we have these automatic reactions to things. And so our automatic reaction to pain is no, <laughs> no. And so, um, so it's just truly counterintuitive to say, fine. Well, this is my way of facing pain. I'm like, fine. If you're not going to go anywhere, fine, fine. God, fine. Like, we're, teach me. Just, you are with me in this. Um, so there's a time where you can, I just have that grace period though for a while. Well, that's my grace period. I bet God has a much bigger grace period, but where you really do, um, you're reacting against it. You're furious that it happened. It's so stunning. You hate it, hate it, hate it. You're protesting it. You don't want it. You're rejecting it. You want it to go away. You try everything you can to make your pain or your problem go away. Um, and then when that does not work, I say when it's the hand you've been dealt and you keep on throwing that card and it's like it flips back into your hand and you're like, I hate that. It could be chronic illness or, you know, all the things. Um, then you come to this, you come to terms and you're like, I have this pain in my life and I'm still, I love God and I'm deeply connected to God. So now what do I do? Okay, so I could have pulled 20 thoughts out of just my life and um, training, but I wanted to go with Pete Scazzaro's since it's what you guys are studying. So I thought I'd just put my own words with, um, with Pete's words. Um, um, but so this is his, this is his five steps for engaging grief and healing. And so um, always hold steps loosely. Um, most healing is not linear, and God always reserves the right to blow our minds, and so, um, as I've noticed. Um, okay, so paying attention is number one, and so I would just say that's just awakeness. That's just the awareness to say, this crap has happened to me, and now I am, I am in it, and so my words for that would be own it and observe what I call the storm. Um, that's on my last slide, but I want to talk about it now because in case I run out of time. Um, but um, I have seen grief like um, it kind of has like a weather system type of way about it in that um, just like when, when bad weather rolls in, you don't know how long it's going to last. It's, it's just kind of there. You don't have control over it, but you just kind of have to, you weather it. You have to weather the storm. Um, in the same way, when we get upset or grieved by our, um, our chronic ongoing issues or just whatever the issue of the day is, it can feel really sharp and really sudden and really overwhelming. And sometimes it will pass in an hour and we feel kind of fine again. Like, oh, that passed. That's gone. I feel okay. I feel all right. Um, but sometimes that storm settles in and it lasts, you know, a day or two or three days. When it lasts a whole lot longer than that and you are like Kelly back in 1994 when her dad died, I had undiagnosed issues mental issues that I needed treatment and medication for. And so I literally couldn't, I just couldn't get better until I got more help. 
And so a loss at 45 with, um, with the treatment and support that I needed, um, it was just much, much easier to pay attention to it and to, um, to own that it was going on with me and to just note that it's a, a storm that kind of pops up sometimes and, and can pass. So, um, so you will have a process of the pain will just sometimes pop up and it will be overwhelming. And, um, and you just kind of have to, I want you to be really gentle with yourself. I want you to hold it before God and know that God is literally holding you. I mean, God is, he's so much closer, closer, closer than we can ever imagine. And so even when we don't feel it, which that just sucks totally, but, um, but it doesn't mean he's not there. So, um, so you observe it, let it move through you. Then when it leaves you alone and you feel fine, please just feel fine. You're not betraying your lost loved one. You're not, you're not pretending like everything's okay. People can get really confused when they're going through a season of, of grief and loss and pain. And, um, and then they can feel fine. And I'll totally tell you, yes, definitely Alabama Christianity in the 90s. They're like, well, you look great. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm dying inside. <laughs> um, and so um, it's, you're going to just look normal sometimes. Every grieving person is going to look normal sometimes, but it doesn't mean that they're out of the woods or that the storm is, is over. And so to just really know that for yourself and for anybody else that you are supporting. Um, so Pete's step two, wait in the confusing in between. I love the nerdy term liminal space. And it's really, I would just say it's awkwardness. There's a pure awkwardness when you have lost something that you thought was, well, that just was pretty foundational to who you are. And it's gone. And you don't know what you are next or what you're going to be about next or what to even focus on next um i just tell people like baptize that like bless that awkwardness you're just awkward like you don't know what to do with your hands you don't know what to say like that's kind of a precious and holy state actually because i found it's much easier or there's just much more room for the holy spirit to speak to you when you just kind of don't know what to do because otherwise, we're just kind of, we're on our BS, as I like to say. I did tell Josh and Katie, I was like, I'm going to watch my language today. Because I said I'm a worker in hell. Like, I mean, I sit in hell with people. And so I have to have, I have, to have access to all the words. And so, um, so, but I mean, I don't know. I just feel like God is very much in that. Because they really don't come out with, like, my children and people, like, in appropriate places that would hurt people. It feels like it's more of just a description of hell. So, okay. Anyways, um, the confusing in-between. When you do not know what to do with yourself and you're like, well, I always hung out with this person. They were here yesterday and now they're gone. Um, breathe into and bless the awkwardness. And literally just feel your feet on the ground and just be present with yourself. And it eventually fills in. What's, what we're not supposed to do or what really gets in the way is the faking it of, I'm fine, it's all good, um, I've already made sense of it, and I'm ready to teach about it, you know, things like that um, that I have totally done. 
Um, I'll just tell you, as my own guinea pig, it just does not work. And so just saying, I don't know what to do. It makes conversation kind of weird because there's such a flow to conversation of I say a thing and then you say a thing back and then I say a thing. Um, And so uh, the grieving person, they're just kind of awkward and that's 100% fine. And the Holy Spirit is very present with them. Okay, number three, um, embrace the gift of limits. I have... I, I love the phrase consent within constraints that you did not ask for these constraints to be put upon you. And if you're fighting and fighting and fighting, like, please fight. See if you can get them off, you know? I mean, God is all about our freedom. Um, but if you fight and fight and fight and they can't, you, you just like, my, my parents won't come back. Um, then your muscles can relax and you say, okay. So now what? This is my new life. These are my limits that I have here. Now what, God? And there's a quietness, and, um, and you get to see what he will do and work inside of your current limits. Climb the ladder of humility. That is um, Pete Scazzaro um, citing a Benedictine process that I'd never heard of before, so it's also from many hundreds of years ago. Um, and I just want to read it to you guys in a minute, but it's kind of text-heavy, so, um, but I just thought it was amazing, and I had never seen it before, and so I just thought we'd learn about it together. And then, um, and it's called The Ladder of Humility. That's the next slide. But then, um, step five, let the old birth the new in God's time. And it's when you really just think you have no idea what is going to happen next, and you cannot imagine your life in its next iteration, Um, that in time, if you wait and you stay curious and you stay patient, and I say you stay kind to yourself, um, people, I feel like um, the Christians that I know and love these days are much more likely to beat themselves up rather than God. And I'm like... Why don't you spew? God's gigantic. You are tiny. <laughs> like, like, so beating yourself up. Just take it to God. Like, He can handle it. I'm like, God, you created all this, so everything's your fault. Truly, <laughs> um, He works with us. He does not get butt hurt at us for telling Him those things. So, um, but in time, new things do come into your life. And um, the analogy of the forest fire that. Um, sweeps through the forest and it feels completely tragic. And you think about all the loss of wildlife and plants and homes and people and whatever. Um, But then science tells us that within just a few seasons, the soil is far richer and and the forest can host even more... um, varieties of plants and animals because of because it burned down and so I fully see God in that physical example that metaphor that you've lost something that you did not want to lose but there really will be some new things that come but I'm just going to say sometimes it's freaking slow when it feels really 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 slow and God says he's not slow that's his response I'm not slow I'm like, okay, (laughs) you win, fine. I'm just still going to say it feels slow. Okay, so here's the ladder of humility, and I have 11 minutes, and then my grief nuggets. That's my last one. Okay, 
Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I kind of like to yell that at my house sometimes <laughs> when I'm stressed. Um, and now my kids have started doing it. Like they'll drop something and it'll break and they're like, it's, everything's fine. And I'm like, <laughs> they are totally going to be messed up weirdos. Like there's no chance that they're not going to be. Um, okay, the ladder of humility. Oh, this is being recorded probably. Dang it. Okay. I love y'all. You're beautiful. Um, the ladder of humility. Okay. So this is Benedictine, really old language. Um, I don't know. I can't remember when he, 1300s, 1400s. I'm just fully guessing. Um, okay. So he calls it fear of God. And we just don't really use that language anymore because we're all so fearful and anxious all the time that we don't really want to put God into that category of something else to be kind of anxious about, you know, and have panic attacks over. But um, I just called it adoration, obsession with God, mindfulness of God. Um, so the ladder of humility, the first step is knowing God. If you know God, you're going to adore God. If you don't adore God, then you have been taught wrong things about him, and you are to be um, just given tons of compassion um, until you can find out that he's actually pretty wonderful. Okay. Um, second step on the ladder of humility, doing God's will, not your own or other people's. I put temperament check next to this piece because um, I'm going to need to redeem lots of things from other sermons that I've heard and sat there and just felt upset about, so I'm doing all that right now. Um, but that is really based on temperament. There are some temperaments like mine that almost from the womb, I'm like, it doesn't matter what I want. What do you want? I'll just do that thing that you want. And so turning towards God, I was like, oh, yay. I don't have to carry this burden of a life. You take it. Well, then I took that into relationships, and that went badly. And so um, so there are certain temperament types that it's our automatic to just do what somebody else wants us to do. And that is not glorifying to God. That is not honoring to God. I literally heard an a near audible voice of God. I was um, in a dating relationship before I got married. It was like a four-year-long relationship, and um, it was not a healthy relationship. And I, God, the words came to me of, I am displeased with you when you do not use your voice. And I was like, Damn, all that Southern Christianity that said, just listen to what the man says <laughs> and, and don't think for yourself. Don't, um, don't speak up. Don't speak truth when you sense it inside of your body and in your gut. I was like, crap. I know that I can hear from God. And that was one of those. I'm like, I would fight with anybody all day. Or I mean, I'm not much of a fighter. So I'd be like, that's fine that you don't think that happened. I don't care. That's fine. Um, but I know that I know that I know that I heard that message. Amen. And I loved scripture so much, and it was so easy for me to just look at these scriptures and say, here's what I'm supposed to be like. But God trumped all of that. And so um, it put me on a different, it totally put me on a very different path. So um, um, I, I teach the Enneagram. I love the Enneagram, the personality thing that got popular and now it's not cool anymore, but I still love it. I loved it before and I love it now. Um, but there are temperament types that are really assertive. And most of the time, I would say, our church leaders, I have, you know, whatever, I don't know. I'm not saying anything about it, but just in general, our church leaders have been assertive types. They're people who say, I can do that. Let me do that. 
there are all these people in the population that are like, no, not me. I was not made for those kinds of things. And um, God makes examples out of those people in the Bible, like King David and Moses, and um, people who did not think that they had um, a voice to offer to the world. So um, I will say that the doing God's will, not your own or other people's, um, it's a really great message for assertive types of people because they're so clear, like they were just born in touch with their own wills. <laughs> and so it's very easy for them to talk about their will and, um, and put it out there. And so when they're doing their spiritual work, the assertive types will often hear, let go of your will, let go of your will, let go of what you're wanting. And they're like, but I want it so bad. But I'm just saying there's a whole lot of the earth's population that doesn't know their own will and hasn't figured it out or how to hear from the Holy Spirit inside of them. And they can't skip the step of figuring, of, of listening to their own soul in, in the Lord. And so I just, I, I wrote temperament check because I'm like, I don't want people writing that down who already exist to do the will of others and haven't learned that God speaks through them because that is a lot of juicy, beautiful spiritual work that you get to do, um, but you just don't always look like a real nice girl or boy. So, which that's how Jesus was, right? Um, okay, ladder step number three, willing to subject ourselves to the direction of others. What's Kelly going to say about that? I'm like, you be careful. <laughs> um, that That is also about when you're if you're in a place where your automatic thought or your ego is saying, um, I truly know what's best. About the best thing in the world you can do from that place is to say, um, I'm going to find a, a pastor or a mentor um, or somebody wiser than me um, to help me make some different decisions in my life. And so they learn how to submit and they learn how to bend a knee. Um, there has been tremendous damage done by people who have subjected themselves to the direction of others that were, um, that were not good people. And so your belly tells you when you are with a person that you can trust or not. Your belly feels funny. And so the old spiritual bypass thing, though, it taught us to be disconnected from our feelings and our bodies. And so um, I've just gotten a strong sense from God that he really loves the cool equipment that he put inside of us and that it's really trustworthy. And um, I, was, I was taught to be pretty scared of my body growing up. Like, it could just do anything. You could just run out and sin all across the nation, you know, if you listen to your body. And so, and so, you know, I'm just like button down shirt, you know, I'm just going to try to hold it together. Gosh, I could really be a crazy person. Um, but as God has, um, has helped me bravely face things that come up inside of myself, it has given me a wisdom where I can know if the direction I'm receiving is actually good direction or not. And we just desperately need that. Um, we won't follow um, wolves in sheep's clothing. Um, and I will say a church's willingness to dig into emotionally healthy spirituality 
is so brave, and it is such evidence of what I have seen in your leadership here, of an open-handedness, of, of I just, I wanna be truly Christ-like, not some fake idea of what Christ-likeness looks like, which is extremely culturally dependent and um, changes every decade or so. <laughs> and so, um, but in a very deep way, learning how to be, um, um, like, Christ's likeness in Kelly form. Because somehow he really likes all of our essences, like just the differences, and he really, really likes that. So, uh, okay, what else have I got? I'm getting kind of tired. It's time to bring this thing in for a landing. Um, um, radical honesty about your weaknesses. True humility is very charming, very important. If you're a boss, if you're, I don't know, anybody with any kind of power, if you are radically humble about it, about your flaws, everybody's in love with you. I'll just tell you that. It's like, it's just, but you have to be radically honest about it. it everybody can feel it when you're cutting a corner, you know. Okay. Um, deeply aware of being chief of all sinners. I wrote easy tiger temperament check because I don't want people who, like, I mean, me, Enneagram 9, if that means anything to you, it's the total peacemaker and the total, like, backup singer. I'm like, everybody else could be up here, and I'm supposed to be here, and I'll just bring you coffee or whatever. That's my temperament. Um, so um, that's pretty easy for me to see. Like, it's pretty easy for me to see I am capable of, of pretty much any sin out there. Um, if that's not easy for you to see, that's your work to do. So you get to, you have to discern <laughs> if you're in that category or not. And if you don't know what category you're in, ask somebody who lives with you, and they will tell you. <laughs> oh Lord. Okay. Um, speaking less. I said generally yes, but temperament. If you're too, if you're afraid to speak, God's gonna make you freaking speak. I'm sorry. And if you're not afraid to speak and you've been speaking for a long time, try to make space for other people to speak that are not of that temperament. And then transformation into the love of God. I had no qualms with that one whatsoever. I just said, heck yes, bring it on. Um, all right. That's all, my, that's all I'm going to say. And then I'm going to pray. Thank you. God, you know that I have a quietness to me, and so I mostly just kind of want to stand here and just breathe and be quiet with your people. Thank you for these brothers and sisters. Thank you for this place that loves you and has such an earnest desire for you and your heart and to please you it's a beautiful place and I thank you God Father I pray for a very I just I want to gratuitously make an ask of you God that we could feel your presence in our pain and see you holding us or holding our hand or sitting right beside us in the midst of our pain. I just pray for that emotional blessing that that is to feel an actual sense of you. Lord Jesus, thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen.